Hello and welcome to the Soulful Valley podcast. If you're a regular listener, thank you for listening and supporting this podcast. If you're new here and don't know me yet, I'm your host, Katie Carey, independent publisher of Books That Matter and an international best-selling author. And of course, the host of this globally ranked podcast. I help metaphysical coaches and healers gain confidence, clarity, raise their visibility and their credibility giving them the opportunity to shine their light brighter so that the people they are here to serve can find them. I do this by creating opportunities for them to become best-selling authors in my multi-author and solo book projects. I also offer one-to-one mentorship services to help spiritual business owners find and unlock their limiting beliefs. In this podcast, I'll be sharing wisdom from myself, coaches, authors and energy healers that could be just what you need to transform your life today. You can connect with me via the Contact Katie button at my website at www.soulfulvalley.com Welcome, this is Toki, Katie's podcast editor. We want to let you know that due to Katie's loss of voice, this will be the last episode until 2024. Katie has asked me to pass on all her thanks for your support of the Soulful Poems book launch, which reached Amazon as a number one international bestseller. Katie and I wish you all a wonderful Christmas and a transformational 2024. Katie will be back sometime in January with the rest of the Energy of Money series. Now, back to the episode you came here to listen to. Katerina Barry is a multifaceted entrepreneur and businesswoman. Among her titles are Psychic Mentor for Women, founder and CEO of Know Thyself Brand, which served as a holding company for Folds and Balm and other initiatives, art model and plus-size fashion influencer, published author, accredited public speaker, and actress featured in large-scale TV productions and low-budget indie films, executive saleswoman and managing partner of Painting Charleston, LLC, a new Century Scholar Award recipient. Hello and welcome to the Soulful Valley podcast, Katerina. Hi, how are you guys? Oh, it's great to have you on, Katerina. I've uh, been in in one of your experiences, I'll call it, because it was a bit of a wonderful experience. <laughs> it wasn't anything like, it's not a coaching course, is it? It's just an, a really beautiful experience. So for our listeners, can you just explain a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so hello everyone. My name is Katarina Berry. Uh, I am a professional psychic um, and I'm a multi-dimensional entrepreneur. I have several uh, businesses that I'm part of. Uh, some are uh, product oriented, some are more service oriented. Um, my line of work uh, as a psychic is based around working as in the capacity of a mentor for women. And this is kind of my one-on-one realm, but I also create experiences for people. And one of my signature offerings um, that is very unique and different 
uh, is the Folds money ritual, uh, or as we're transitioning to just calling it the Folds now. And so what it is, it's an experience where a person comes in, uh, you know, if they haven't been exposed to it before, they have no idea what's what's going to happen. And they are invited to uh, create to to uh, decide what they want to financially contribute. No amount is too small or too high. It is entirely up to the participant. Um, there are some additional ways to participate uh, on the higher scales of investment, but again, it's entirely up to the person joining to decide what they essentially want to pay. And um, the premise of the whole experience is as you're going through it, you're watching your contribution multiply and turn into what we call tenfold. So without getting too deep into the specifics, uh, the point of this experience is to learn to look at money in your life completely differently. What we've been taught is to count what we make financially from your job, from your business, whatever it is. If you're a business owner that you end up paying yourself or whatever your employer uh, pays you in, in a more traditional job setting. And in reality, the money that comes through our life that shows up in our life is vastly greater than just that transaction of your labor your effort, your hard work in exchange for money. There are so many different ways in which money shows up in our life. And so the way that I've designed the folds is it's meant to open the eyes of the participant to all of these new ways in which they may have never even noticed money showing up in their life and to acknowledge it, to count it, to create a connection with it and to develop this gratitude and also to develop this new identity of not just like I'm getting paid X amount of dollars or euros or whatever it is per hour, but instead I am a conduit for so much wealth in abundance that circulates in the world and I am a significant piece and I have this relationship with money already. So let me see where I can take it. So it's, it's a transformative experience. And um, I'm so glad that you got to uh, be part of it. So um, I would love for you to share with, with us in this interview what your experience is uh, like. Absolutely well, I, I really want to. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how I came across you in the first place was magical in itself. And I tend to follow my intuition. I don't just jump into things just because it's got a label with money on it or, or whatever it is. And you kept showing up in the top of my feed and it was constant. So at first I saw your posts and the images, which were beautiful. I was like, oh, that looks nice. I like the sound of that. But I carried on and I carried on. <laughs> and it was just constant, constantly you were there, right at the top every time. And then I saw the start date. And the start date was June the 21st. And it was the 30th anniversary of my dad passing away that day. And the more it kept coming to the top of my feed, the more I knew I was supposed to be there. And once I got into your container, it was obvious to me that I was supposed to be there because there were other people who had had things going on that were similar to that experience of mine. So I knew I was meant to be there. And then the actual experience itself, 
it was beautiful and it was the way it was it's like a game isn't it it's like we were play we were playing a game so i think a lot of people are really serious about money it has just become this really serious topic that most people want to avoid but for me the folds it just opened opened me up wide to recognizing all of the gifts that were coming into my life that had a financial value that i've not paid attention to before mm-hmm. so my participation in it i i invested and by the end of was it three months yeah it's three months, three months at a time. by the end of the three month container i had it had tenfolded <laughs> and not in ways that i did thought mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was yeah it was amazing it was an amazing experience oh i love and, hearing that uh, yeah so listeners if you ever get the chance to go and have a look at this i will definitely be putting links in the show notes for katarina <laughs> Mm-hmm. I highly recommend you go and play. <laughs> yes, we have um we have a waste wait list open for winter. Um so usually it begins uh December is a start date, uh then um March um and then June and then um September is kind of how it goes and three months at a time. And I miss the autumn, but I have to say I've kept up with it because I found it so magnificent. <laughs> Oh, that's beautiful. I love hearing so, that. And it's okay, I kept up with it because it, it works. There is there is um something that you know I want to uh publish um which is the the method of of co- counting all the money that comes into your life and and you know that's something that I think can be separate um from the experience mm. in just the way that you start maybe integrating this new perception of money, you know, instead of just looking what you make um you're looking at all these other ways in which money is showing up so i'm looking forward to sharing more of that with the world and um of course uh you know everyone's open to explore the folds it's it's a very easy experience to enter on your terms because again you decide essentially how much you contribute to be part of it and it's uh, something that uh, awaits individual exploration i think is the best way to describe it because everyone ends up walking away with with a personal experience that is yeah. just theirs and at the same time there is a community aspect to it as well. Thank you Katerina. This show is a show about the energy of money, which is why I wanted you to be a guest because that's what that experience is about. So I've I've come up with a few questions that I wanted to ask and we'll start with this one. Mm-hmm. Can you share any personal experiences or insights on how the energy of money has impacted your own business or financial mindset? So uh, such an amazing question. And it actually takes me back to just even the origins of the interest uh, that I took in, in the energy of money. Because um, I, as, as many people have, you know, we grow up with beliefs that our family holds around money and our society, our community. And um, I grew up in Russia uh, and I moved to United States um, fifth, at, at the age of 15. And so now I'm 30. So half of my life uh, over in Russia and half of my life here in the United States. And it happened so that my journey in, in either setting uh, was very much uh, full of people being very fearful around money and, and feel, feeling very limited. And um, there, there came a point where I was living in the city where 
most people didn't really make much money. And so being cool <laughs> was kind of associated with being broke. Like everyone is broke. So, you know, if you're like everyone, then, you know, there's like this sense of almost community around it. Um, and, and so I remember really taking on that identity. I was like, well, I didn't see any positive examples financially around you know the topic of money uh and and now it's it's even like there's like a whole community that's like we're all broke you know let's let's just live today like there is no tomorrow and <laughs> so um what ha ended up happening is actually um i had a corporate job um i then that ended and i started my own business i, I wanted to kind of venture out uh, i was providing like marketing services for small businesses and my relationship with money was the absolute worst. I was not making any of it. Um, I I was in such a place that I couldn't charge uh, anything for my work. Like I didn't think that it was worth anything, uh, or I actually was worth anything. And uh, it got it got to a pretty bad point where I had this this very like uh, like a dichotomy, like this big contrast of like I want to be financially successful. I, I want to find a way to develop a relationship with money, but I, I felt like it was like non-existent and or very, very, very negative. And so um, any anything I tried to learn from, let's say like Tony Robbins or, you know, other uh, teachers and, and coaches, and I, I'm very interested always in education and continuously seeking out new information, new wisdom. But none of it was resonating, like the the way that money works, the way that financial markets work, uh, you know, supply and demand, business economics, like nothing was touching the actual feeling I had about money or this this worth, this this inner relationship with worth and money. Right. So I, I my life's journey took me to like a, a, a spiritual path mm -hmm. and um my biggest question was like, where does the money fit in in spirituality? Because it must, it has to be. And in studying tarot, uh, I discovered, uh, specifically in studying tarot, um, I discovered that money is actually a spiritual concept. It is a spirit of matter. It's money in itself doesn't really exist. Like, I can say this makeup brush is money because I paid, let's say, $30 to get it at some point, right? So anything can be money if you assign value to it. But the fact that you can assign value to something and money represents that notion in itself, like the medium of exchange, that is a spiritual concept. So anything that is material, you can then assign value to even like a piece of land or a structure that you cannot move. You can assign value to it and you can exchange it for money or other goods. So that concept in itself, the money, is the spirit of matter. And so once I started looking at money as something that is deeply meaningful and in fact complex, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. like, how do you understand that? How do you dive into this concept and how do you use that right so that journey took me from being an entrepreneur who couldn't charge for my services to someone who <laughs> uncovered so much there that i now 
feel that it's a huge part of my purpose to teach on it. So uh, essentially, um, spiritual relationship with money, discovering the energetics of money changed absolutely everything for me. Uh, the concepts and ideas that were not accessible to me to even contemplate um, became curious because there was now this unique pathway to considering like it's not just money it's it's a symbol for this entire world the material world so how do i build a relationship with matter how do i build a relationship with the physical reality with my body with the things the physical things i surround myself with with the things that i create and offer to the world how do i create their a, a, a relationship for the world to interact with me and for me to interact with it through financial language, through the language of exchange, through the currency. So let me know how I'm doing with, with answering your question. That was wonderful. And it brings up things for me, like um, when you say about it being spiritual, and I'm noticing a lot more spiritual people are understanding this now. For a long time, we've thought, or circles of spiritual people have thought that it was wrong to charge so so we've come in with this thing of feeling that we have to give our gifts away then you're not in a position where you can build a community or or, or the create the creations that you're here to build because you haven't got the resources so just re-educating people around that that it's not bad to charge money i run a charity as well so i also did a lot for years for nothing <laughs> but that didn't help people in the long run. So totally, totally understand where you're coming from on that. Yeah, um, you know, this is such a great um, segue into a, a topic that I think relates to our relationship with money and our relationship with self-worth and our relationship with even like what we are allowed to do in in this life and this is uh, a spiritual concept uh that is more uh feminine in nature uh, more matriarchal in nature that has been if you ask me that's that's just a personal opinion i think mm. it was removed purposefully not like some one big bad masterminding guy you know somewhere mm decided no but it's like over time i think there was a purpose that this this kind of eradicating of this philosophy has served and so what is the philosophy the philosophy is in this life in this body because a lot of these teachings and you know i'm not gonna dive into the different philosophies here but a lot of the um teachings that we get exposed to in you know organized religion and even in kind of understanding this the the moral theories of what's good what's bad what's mm. what's a good character what's a bad character right there's there's a lot of the the idea that this life is not important you know this life is for suffering it's for self-denial it is for restriction you know if you are suffering and if you're limited and if you're you know having these horrendous hardships in life you are going to heaven or you are going to get rewards in somewhere else in some some sometime after you die and then there is another thing which is like everything of the body um you know the pleasure 
the um, you know the the experiences that are physical, uh, the experiences that uh, engage our senses, you know, uh, the the sensual, the the pleasure filled, you know, that's mm -hmm. that's also all considered to be base level, uh, sinful, not evolved, uh, you know, very degrading, and so. With, with these philosophies going hand in hand, a lot of people have been conditioned to uh, feel ashamed and guilty of even considering uh, doing something with this life, uh, such as, you know, accumulating wealth or creating something meaningful in this reality for this life, for people who are living here and now. Because it's like, you know, what's the point? You know, there, there's another, there's another timeline, there's another life, there's, there's something else out there. And so when we, when we kind of turn these teachings around, you know, a lot of times um, it's the artists, it's the people who have a gift, it's the people who are, you know, musicians, or they are creatives, or they are uh, perhaps spiritual advisors or you know they, they just have this unique expression about themselves that that is that makes people you know feel a certain way or experience something uh, that's the kind of people that that get told like just do it for exposure you know just yeah. do it for experience just uh do it because you are gifted you know if it's a gift then you should give it away for free but it, it goes back to this thing it's like you know if you have a gift in this life then the idea is that you are here to use it. And, and you know, let's even go a step, a step further. You know, if, if it's divine plan, whatever your beliefs are, if it's the part of the divine plan that you should be here in this body and have this life, then it, it's not a mistake and it's not a punishment. It's like, how can we not see that it's the ultimate gift? You know, that, that this is what we know. This is what we get to work with. And taking that back and claiming, like, no, this body, this life, I am here, and it's me, I am. I am unique, I am different, I am whoever I am, I am an individual, I have this life, I have this body, it's finite, it's not going to last forever, things change all the time. And so in, in given all of this, you know, knowing that it's not forever, why why don't I create something incredible? Why don't I share my gifts with the world? Why don't I allow other people to benefit from what has been given to me? And why don't I create wealth so that to give my creations a bigger platform so that they can reach more people, so that I can use my own discernment and effect change that will benefit others why can't we trust ourselves that we are perfect vessels to create a different world? And why can't we take that step further and, and acknowledge that in order for me to create change, I'm going to need resources to do that. And so I'm giving myself for full permission to go after these resources and to accumulate them and to put them to good use instead of leaning back and and waiting for some other life and and accepting whatever it is that's happening in the meanwhile being so frustrated because it's like everyone has this a vision for something that they are passionate about mm -hmm. so that vision it deserves to be materialized and in order to be materialized 
uh, it requires material resources. Absolutely. And when you mentioned creatives, then I've had this experience. So as well as being in uh, coaching and healing and all of the things that I did with the charity as well, I've had this before as a teenager when I was a singer. And often people would be reaching out to me to do charitable gigs to the point where there were more charitable gig requests come in than paid gig requests. So so it was exactly the same for, for creative artists as well as in spiritual healing circles. Mm -hmm. But then people have gifts in all kinds of areas where it's okay to receive money. So, so why is that? Like It always seems to be the creatives that are expected you know, I, I to, think to stay in struggle. <laughs> I I will say that for me, I, I most I mostly work with women. There are some exceptions here and there, but um, my target uh, audience, my my target demographic for the work that I'm here to to do is uh, is women, and with women specifically, I see that it goes so deep. You know, mm -hmm. it goes so deep because like even motherhood is not mm -hmm. considered work. You know, it, even that like, okay, uh, even the basic things that women have been expected to provide for centuries upon centuries, um, you know, there is this, there is this uh, expectation that it's like should just be given, you know? And I find that um, having worked mostly with women in this realm, you know, it's it's very difficult for women to chart to monetize aspects of their life that are that they're easily, you know, far advanced in or skilled in, and can definitely offer and provide a lot of value by teaching people or by, um, you know, even just uh, sharing these gifts right with mm -hmm. with people whatever realm it is in, you know, uh, it, it's it's almost the answer is like, but I'm not qualified, but I'm not, you know, a big corporation, but I'm not, I don't have the training, I don't have the certificate. Meanwhile, you know, even the same uh, organized religious structures, they have no trouble uh, accepting money, mm. you know, however it's presented, whether it's like, okay, you should hand hand, you know, or else just let's not, you know, let's not play with, you know, potentially going to a place you don't want to go to in your afterlife. Uh, you should maybe be, you know, donating 10%, just saying mm -hmm. to be on the safe side, right? So however it's presented, um, these organized, these these um, uh, machines, uh, because why? Because it's not just one person. There's like organizations, these structures, these machines that operate through levels of our society such as um you know organized belief systems such as big corporations these existing structures they have a very systemized way of collecting money and you know there's nothing wrong with that that's just the way it is but what's interesting to me is like the person who is the the perfect medium of you know sharing a skill a talent maybe they're a, a voice teacher Maybe they cook, maybe they have a cooking show, maybe they're they're thinking about it, maybe they have a book in them that they want to write, maybe they have, uh, you know, a gift, maybe they, they're just really great at holding space, right? And so, you know, all, all of this, it, once you start doing it from you, the goodness of your heart, you realize, like, I love this so much, I could be doing this for free. Mm -hmm. You know, people get used to you doing it for free, but there comes a time 
where I think this is up to every person and women, of course, most especially included, um, where, you know, the, you for yourself as an individual have to make a decision. You have to essentially say like, yes, I love this so much. It is a gift of mine. I love it so much. I could do it for free. And I have, and people clearly seem to value it. Now I'm going to value it. Now I'm no longer looking for that validation. Mm -hmm. I'm going to value it because I know I have this gift and I'm going to value it so much that I'm going to charge for it. And here's, and I'm going to just very briefly mention it, but here's where you start also doing a favor for the other person who actually purchases your service or your creation from you. Because the people that put something on the line when it comes to wanting to acquire something, that is a, a move that communicates value. When someone accepts your price, or even in introductory phases uh, or in settings like with the folds, Personally, for folds, I prefer that the person decides the amount they contribute mm. because it's, it's an important power move there. You can say, you know, pay what you want, or you can say, here's the price. When the person accepts, either accepts your price or puts a value on it themselves and say, okay, I'll pay this much, and you accept, this is, this is a, a protected relationship. And what I mean by protected, I'm not talking about the legalities. I'm talking about energetically protected because... Mm. The value is clearly communicated on both ends. You're saying, I value myself, I value this gift, service, whatever it is, this creation. So it is it is exchangeable for another value, which would be money. Uh, the other person buying it from you says, I accept that it's valuable. It's valuable for me. I'm willing to part with my resource of money in order to acquire this thing that I value. I value it more than the money I'm willing to to give for it so it it's it makes sense right the the protection comes from both parties consenting that whatever it is that they're engaging in is valuable uh, and when we discredit our own work and we continue doing it for free even though it doesn't feel good anymore we're actually this is a concept that took me a long time to learn we're paying for it twice because the mm -hmm. first time you're paying for it is when you're doing it for free the second time you're paying for it is when you have finished doing it for free and you have that feeling of like, but what about me? And there's nothing. And the energy of resentment. For it. The energy of resentment set in. <laughs> Katerina, can you share any tips or advice for individuals who are looking to shift their relationship with money and integrate spirituality into their financial journey? Yeah, I would say one of the most important steps here is to create some space um, between what you are considering money to be money, right? So if you're used to looking at your bank account and, you know, and it's it's just, it's, it's every time you look, you have this sinking feeling or, you know, there is maybe a situation where, you know, you're overworking and you're getting paid a certain amount of work. And, you know, every time you're like, maybe something will change, but it's, it continues to be the same situation. So you have this charged, charged relationship with money already is usually when we're like, okay, how do I freaking change this? Because it's killing me. So, um, what you need to do is you need to, uh, step away from, from just thinking that that is money. Okay. That's, that's, that's money. That's it's, it is, but it, it's not the only way that money is in your life. And I promise you. So 
uh, this is, these are some interesting exercises. We do a lot of them in folds, but mm. I just want to give you guys a little taste. Um, so I want you to start looking at every single time someone does something for you that you don't have to pay for yourself. So whether like a friend of yours said, hey, you know, I'm going to the gas station, uh, you know, or a roommate or whatever neighbor, do you need something? And they brought you and you were like, let me pay you. They were like, no, no, you know, don't, please don't like, let, let me just, you know, give it to you. Uh, or maybe a colleague bought you coffee or maybe someone in front of the line of, you know, drive through paid for your meal or you went to a grocery store and you got a discount, right? So anytime you you receive something that you would expect to pay for, but you didn't have to, and maybe you weren't even expecting the thing. It's like a surprise, a little gift. Uh, maybe it doesn't need to cost much, but start seeing that as like money is making its way into your life. So notice this and, and maybe even start keeping track a little bit. Maybe write it down like, my colleague bought me coffee today. I'm thinking maybe it's probably like three or five bucks, you know, write it down. Like, oh, it's interesting. Money showed up in my life through another person, through um, the generosity of someone else. And also, you know, uh, one of the biggest things that kind of really helped me um, consider, reconsider the situation I was in is is the way that you look at debt as well. That can, that can weigh heavily. Um, on us, but you know, anytime that I pay my debt off, uh, anytime I make a payment and it's like, yeah, I could be, you know, buying something else, obviously, but here I go, here comes the payment. Um, I, I like to look at it as like, that's money that's becoming available again. It's almost like I'm, I'm setting that money free. It, it was tied up, I, I already spent it first of all. So whatever that credit was for, you know, I spent it. So <laughs> however I feel about the thing I bought, whether it's education or something else, it's like whatever their experience was at the time, I was like, I'm doing this. I don't have the money for it. I'm going to put it on, you know, credit. And whatever my experience with it was, I could have it without even having the money for it. How amazing is that, first of all? <laughs> so just be grateful. I, find some gratitude for it. And even if it was like a medical expense or something that you would rather not even have to deal with, Still, like, how important is your health? It's your life. It's your education. It's your choices. It's your lifestyle. Like, that is valuable that you couldn't have the money for it, but the money showed up for you to begin with. So that's that's amazing. But then when you every time you make a payment, you know, try thinking of it. It's like, I'm actually freeing that money up. If I needed it again, it would still be there for me. I'm just setting it free. And then the final tip I'll give here is, um, you know, this is this is important too, is any time that money comes back to you, anything that you were able to get back or something that you didn't expect, or, you know, anytime that you, maybe you didn't get something correctly and you bring it back to the store and money just returns to you, a tax refund, something that comes back to you where it's like, I wasn't even doing anything to earn it or to deserve it, but it, it found its way back to me. So doing these little things at first it might feel like okay that's that's a little slow but it it, uh, it creates enough of a gap there for you to start seeing money not as just a stress factor or not as something that you keep looking at and it's not changing instead you're like oh there are little ways that it flows in oh there there are 
these blessings that are coming in. Oh, there are these ways that I can reframe certain things that are obligatory and maybe a little heavy. Um, and, and with that, you're going to start discovering that there's a lot more that you can do with the way that you perceive your relationship with money. And with that comes the next phase, which is what is the direction that I want my relationship with money to go? How do I want to feel about it? And then creating experiences that will support that further. Beautiful. Thank you for that answer. How do you navigate the challenges or resistance that may arise when introducing spiritual concepts into the world of entrepreneurship and finance? This is a really good question um, because I think that a lot of the the finance world, the, a lot of the, the business world, um, it is still, uh, and again, I am going back to the feminine and masculine energetics and neither one of them is more important than the other and neither one of them is right or wrong. But um, I find that a lot of the business world is very heavily operating in this kind of masculine energy paradigm. And so what do I mean by this? I would mean, uh, it would mean to me that it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's an organized kind of uh, um, approach, uh, hierarchical. So there is this top down, you know, structure usually where someone's at the top and there are people, you know, kind of like a pyramid going down levels, levels. And um, uh, there, you know, there's a lot of systemization with now AI as well. There's a lot that is being automated and, and that's fine. Again, there, there's nothing wrong with that. But um, this this very rational, this this scaled, this highly systemized approach, um, it allows very little uh, room for continued um, innovation and creativity. And this is why a lot of businesses and, and you know, um, establishments that are more traditionally organized nowadays, we see them, you know, inviting speakers and inviting experts and inviting, you know, uh, meditation gurus for you know the break between the meetings and so the, there there is this kind of like how do we how do so the the structure works um the organization works the the this kind of highly um detailed uh, plan in a way that a traditional businesses operate it, you know it works but there's something that ends up being kind of like uh constantly missing which is how do you care for every person that is part of your organization as an individual? How do you, and this is speaking from, from a business standpoint, how do you, uh, financially speaking, capitalize on the creativity and the inherent genius of every single person that works for a company because every single person is is their own resource essentially so when you highly kind of systematize people and there's this very defined hierarchical structure and everyone knows their role and everyone knows their place and they're supposed to operate in this kind of constrained way usually what you get is decreased performance over time because the person is like okay well, but what's my worth what's my value what's yeah. what, what am i doing with my life here so how do you increase the quality of life of every employee how do you tap into their creative potential how do you give them space to be creative and to be open and suggest things and maybe challenge things and question things that aren't working which in the long run would only benefit the company so this is so i'm kind of going backwards in response to your question 
is you know the pushback is obvious it's like you know who are you who do you think you are what are you talking about this is all you know woo uh stuff like who cares uh you know that's going to be the response until it changes yeah. Yeah. and it will change when the company is like um actually i we have no idea where to even start but we know there's something more that's not our area of specialty and let's see who can even you know get us started on uh, you know looking at all these other things that are available and and for us to maximize essentially you know the the retention of the employees the quality of their lives the you know the productivity and the creativity and the expression of them so i think the shift is occurring on its own and i think you know it's important if if some of our uh, listeners are in this realm of being like more like energy workers or being more intuitive or working more with the energetics or things like money or things like um you know expression or creation or even productivity in itself uh you know i think it's time to kind of really be bold about what you do because i believe that the more we progress in time the more the even the most traditional organizations are going to be like what is what is there to human potential what more does the human potential hold and if we look at the human potential if we look at what we're truly capable of as creators we cannot bypass energetics we cannot bypass you know well-being we cannot bypass uh spiritual concepts that help us understand the very human nature so you know if if you are in this realm and you're like how do i how do i approach these these big companies uh and i think i have some solutions for them you know j- j- be outspoken about what you do and and go ahead and just reach out that they you might not necessarily get an immediate yes but i think with time they will circle back and and this has happened to me and and you know say like actually we've had a conversation a long time ago do you remember and also actually now you know there's something that maybe you're the fit for so don't be afraid to to initiate these conversations and and don't be afraid of rejection because it's only part of uh the the progress of of a sales relationship you know it's getting rejected is only a step in a sales relationship it's it's not necessarily the end it can be but it it doesn't have to be wow what an answer <laughs> I, i didn't i didn't expect you to go there <laughs> I don't I'm expect glad, myself to go there either to be quite honest. <laughs> I'm glad you did because how many places are there where people are so silenced or they feel like they can't express who they really are and what they really believe and what they could bring to the table. And this has happened to me in a job where I was working with someone that we just both were not no good at communicating with each other at all until one day this person told me that they were going to have a psychic reading like well whoa <laughs> we're on the same wavelengths that's beautiful i love that but how many people are fascinated with the spiritual world but are scared to talk about it because they're they're worried about what people might think about Or well and there's, there's still a lot of yeah there's there's a lot of stigma around it still you know yeah. but i think one of the shifts that we've already se- seen a little bit is after you know after the pandemic um people uh who have lost jobs or who have their jobs were you know limited or cut back you know there's there's this definite understanding that 
having a job and a business is is you know a good way to go because you know you you never know which one uh, you mm-hmm. know what what's going to happen where so i think the the companies are being having to be more accepting of people having side hustles on the side um and and you know with that being said there is there's there's still definitely more room for this kind of freedom of you know wherever you work being able to say you know what you believe what you're interested in what you you know do still there's some censorship but i think with time there's just going to be more freedom because it's like yeah i work here but i also have a life and and also you know you never know what's going to happen so you know there's there's i have things in place and and you know i think the workplaces have to to be accepting of it uh if, if they want happy employees what wonderful place it'll be when we have a world like that. <laughs> well, and we're we are co-creating it, so we, we may are. not we are. get to enjoy it, but we we from another from from the other world, which is apparently so much better. You know, yeah. I don't I don't really know about that, but um, <laughs> no, but from from that higher place, we will say, hey, you know, we helped build this. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of Halloween horror. As <laughs> Humor. Oh, I love, I love that we're doing this on Halloween as well. On Halloween, yes. <laughs> uh, Perfect. Uh, what are your hopes or visions for the future of spiritual entrepreneurship and the energy of money in the collective consciousness? Uh, oh, you know, I I think that the energy of money is is so powerful. It's you know, it's um, it, it's really meant to be a, a birthright for humanity to. Uh, freely have access to it to use it for creation to use it for um, building a better world to use it for uh, you know research and development and expansion and you know art and uh, advancement of our civilization you know the money is innocent Uh, this, this is what I truly believe money is innocent it is a it, it is a frequency similar to a frequency of a soul. It, it's it's neither bad nor good. It is it has no um, character of its own. It has no qualities of a human being by any means. Um, it is simply like electricity. It, it is it is like air. It, it's uh, it's it's a it's something that exists, but it's only something that exists in our consciousness. And this is why it's so mind-boggling to me that such huge proportions of humanity have no access to resources and to financial resources and and no real way of um, understanding or building wealth uh not even an entry point you know to 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 start on that journey and even if they do come about some entry point it's like the the conditioning and what they know about money is so counter uh intuitive to to the nature of it that they uh, you know may end up in a worse place it, it's 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 wild to me so uh um you know how would i see that change I, it's it's hard to imagine uh how this could be like changed very quickly but for me i think going to the origin of where money comes from and and even like we can do this individually and and hopefully as a collective as well but going back to the origin of you know we exchanged things for things we exchanged Mm. goods for services we exchanged salt for 
you know, animal hide. We exchanged things that we had for things that we wanted. And that was available to absolutely every human because that, that that's you, you didn't have to think about whether it's available or not. It's just what you do. You see someone have something that you need and you might have something that they need. And mm. it's like, it makes sense. But that's that's a very human creation. That's a human concept. So money, this frequency, only humans can see it. Only us can operate and animals don't have any mm. use for it. Uh, plants don't have any use for it. Only we can exchange with each other on a conscious level of like, you have something I value and I have something you value and we have a deal. Um, so when when we get back to this base understanding that there is no such thing as a person, a human being who doesn't deserve money, who isn't worthy of money, who isn't worthy of being paid, who is meant to be poor, who is, you know, in some way cursed when it comes to money. There, it's, it, it is simply impossible. It is a concept that only humans hold and no human is excluded from it. So even just having that, that so deeply anchored in and, and reiterating that every time something comes up, like, oh, I don't deserve to be paid for this or, oh, you know, money, I don't have a good thing with money because my family and, and so-and-so and this happened and that happens. Like, Every time these stories come up, it's like, no, this is a very simple, innocent human concept. And I am human. So that means I cannot be excluded from this. <laughs> you know, it's it's simply the exchange. And then, you know, going to see money as something more than just, you know, I think one of the biggest anchors we have is like, I have to work hard and I have to suffer i have to struggle in order to be paid something but it's like but you you have so much value and so much worth so if you accept that if you accept that you're valuable and worthy and you look at yourself through that perspective what is something that you truly value about yourself that you value so much that you love it you love doing it you want to do this in this world, you it makes you happy, it pleases you, it makes you feel proud. What if that was the source of receiving value that matches just how much value you can give to the world? And so a lot more people, my vision is, a lot, a lot, a lot more people, as many people as possible, um, being seeing themselves as valuable and worthy enough to exchange what their most valuable gifts are mm -hmm. for the most value with the world. And I think just that that alone uh, would be a completely different humanity if that was the case, you know, yeah. it, it, it's a different world. So, but no matter how long it takes, um, I, uh, I'm willing to, um, I'm willing to hold space for this vision and, and take the steps that are needed to, help help bring this paradigm about how do you maintain a sense of detachment and non-attachment to financial outcomes while still actively working towards financial growth and success mm, this is the maybe the hardest question of them all um because this is this came through for me recently it's it's a very 
uh, auspicious, you know, how, how our interview aligned with, with this kind of realization that I was right. getting. <laughs> um, and, and the realization was um, that there are two ways to go about manifesting things. Um, one of the ways is control. Uh, it's possible. It's mm -hmm. not easy because it's like when you want to do something and you know you look out you you were gonna go you you were gonna go and have a photo shoot today and uh you know it's raining outside it's storming there's a hurricane your photographer's like hey can we reschedule this is like the i don't know something crazy is going on and you realize your you know dress is stuck in uh you know transit you were gonna have it by today but you don't so just a hypothetical situation where everything goes wrong and you can through your sheer will say screw it i'm having my photo shoot i'm gonna do it in a different dress i'm gonna photograph myself screw the photographer i'm gonna do it right in the rain in the storm and the rest of the world can f off because i'm doing what i set my mind like i am doing it you you can you can do this like there are so many ways that we do control so much in our mm. life and we use this will, this will to force things to happen. But the problem with that is that while you're standing in the middle of the storm, photographing yourself in a completely different outfit, you might just get this feeling like, that's not why I was doing this though. Like I wanted to feel, you know, I wanted to feel a certain way. There's a reason I picked out the dress. There's a reason I picked out that photographer and the spot and the weather, like, I was supposed to feel this way and yes, now I made it still happen, but the feeling isn't there. So we always have a choice to, okay, doesn't matter what's going on, whether the timing is right or not, I am doing it and, and do things through this sheer force. The only downside is, is a lot of times we wonder like, why am I even doing this? Like, this isn't how I thought I would feel. And this is a lot of times what happens with force. Now, there's a, there's a different pathway. There's a pathway of, I'm going to trust <laughs> and I'm going to let go of my expectation of how exactly and when exactly it's going to happen. And the hardest part of this option is the more you want it, the more you have to let it go because the more intensely you want the thing the more there is the sense of urgency but like could i maybe just force things just like right now because like i really want it to happen like could i could i just could i just kind of manipulate things around it just to make sure that it happens there's this temptation to like how do i control but if you're going about this the second route which is surrender the control let it happen in the most beautiful way, you know, let go of the expectation, let it happen when it happens. Um, the benefit is, is that usually it feels even more amazing than you even imagined. It's like, that's the prize is like, this is even better than I could even have thought. And yes, now in hindsight that it's all happening, it makes sense why it didn't happen on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or even Sunday. And it's happening right now on Monday and like it could not have been better. And now I get why. Right. So in hindsight, you get this like, oh, it all it all makes sense. But in the process, the hardest piece is 
the more you want it, the more you have to let it go. Because it's like, no, but I want it so bad. I want to I want to make sure it happens. No, let it go. And so that dance uh, can be difficult. But so can be the, the dance that is the the sheer force of like how much you have to overcome to still make something happen that's clearly not happening. You know, there might be a little disappointment, but we do have great will and we can affect um, reality on that level uh, to to a degree, of course. But it, we do have we do have the capacity to make things happen. But do you want to make things happen? Or do you want it to happen in a way that it's even better than you imagined? For me, the outcome that I desire is definitely the second option. I always want that feeling of like, this is even better than I thought. But it requires such tremendous deal of trust. And um, it's difficult. And I, I, in choosing this, this pathway of surrendering the detachment and letting things come to me, um, you know, there there is self-discipline that you develop because you have to keep your ego in check and you have to say, yes, I could force things now, but I'm not going to because I am actually choosing, um, you know, a, a higher timeline. I'm choosing something that is coming to me in a way that is not just about me and my ego and my sense of urgency, but it's coming to me in divine timing in the way that is best for me. I trust that the universe has my best interests in mind. So this this does require, I think, some spiritual discipline, um, and it can be developed over time. But you know, for our listeners, I would say if you're facing, uh, uh, you you have a manifestation in mind, and, and there's something you really want to either experience or create, and you have a choice of like really doubling down on like making it happen for yourself, no matter what, at a specific date and time. Or you have a choice of like, you know what, I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to keep connected with it. I'm going to keep desiring it, but I'm not going to force it or control it. I am going to be anticipating its arrival to me in the perfect divine timing. You know, try that option. You can always go back to to pushing and forcing. Try the other one and uh, see what happens because you might actually uh, be kind of blown away by how much um this this greater awareness this this greater consciousness that we are all connected to how much it wants you to feel supported because we all are absolutely and i loved that because the last book that we just launched my chapter was called i surrender because that was oh, I love that. <laughs> that was where i needed to come to Oh, that's beautiful. Things like book collaborations as well. You've got people coming from all over the world with different levels of of um, expectations. And with a book called Co-Creating with the Divine, it was literally going with the flow. So we really had to lean back into how the book unfolded and the people coming in and their chapters unfolded. And the process was it took well over a year. Normally, in a book collaboration, people are pushing them out in a couple of months just as a quick marketing tool. But this was different. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. I love that. <laughs> yeah, awesome. A final question that I have for you, Katerina. Can you share any stories or examples of how your spiritual practices have directly influenced your financial decision-making process? 
Yeah, so um, this this goes back to uh, the folds and, and essentially the process that I teach there, which is uh, tracking all the ways in which money comes into your life. Um, I uh, decided that, uh, first, first of all, I, I created this whole experience for myself. I wasn't planning on sharing it with anyone else. I, I do uh, a lot of ritual work. Um, I would identify as a witch. Um, so my spiritual practice, it's not really, um, it's not really restricted by any specific belief system. And, um, I pursue, um, various, uh, spiritual concepts and knowledge as, as an esoteric scholar. So there's a lot of freedom. There's a lot of uh, trial. There's a lot of, um, experimentation and ritual work is a very direct way of communicating with the divine uh, essentially it's very intimate it's very personal uh whoever practices ritual work uh there a great deal of it has to come from your own um association your own uh um ideas your own um understanding of the meaning of things and the symbolism of certain things it's it's all very personal and so in, in practicing ritual work, I um, discovered that it's, it's a great way to uh, kind of create this sort of a container that holds space for whatever it is that you're working on. Maybe it's, you know, connecting deeper to yourself, self-love, or maybe it's your practice of um, currently I'm uh, holding a completion ritual for myself. So I have a lot of things that are incomplete. And there's this feeling of like, I'm overwhelmed. I don't want to complete them because there's this attachment. Like, but what about this thing? And when it ends, I don't want it to end. So there's a lot of this kind of tender energy. So I realized, you know, this is a perfect setting for a ritual. So mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm having this space that is just basically holding space for myself. Like I'm taking these few days to complete things and I'm probably going to feel vulnerable. I'm probably going to want to stop and get distracted and do something else. But every time I see this little ritual setup that I have and the candle burning and everything, I'm like, no, this is a special time right now. I'm, I'm completing things. So it, it's, it's essentially something that a practice that brings you back to your intention and amplifies your intention because you're not just doing it alone. You're not just in your head with yourself. You're having the space, the ceremonial space that is meant to support you. So folds is a ritual that is all about money and having the space created in this concept that I teach and practice has um, set this environment for me that has been actually going on for over a year and a half now. That's when I started running the folds and I've been running uh, every season consecutively three months at a time, but not ever like breaking for, for a season. So having held this space for myself and for the people I work with for over a year and a half, um, this has become part of my identity. My relationship with money is no longer something I like think about. I don't have to remind myself to track all the ways in which money is showing up in my life. I do this as a default setting, like brushing my teeth or like mm -hmm. not forgetting to eat, right? It's like, it's you, I can't forget that. It's part of my identity. And so making um, my relationship with money and then paying attention to it, part of my identity through ritual work, because there's constantly like a space that's held for it. Constantly something reminds me of it. Um, I have realized that my standard of living has 
completely changed. Uh, can I say that I am tremendously richer in terms of like the financial assets that I currently hold uh, in, in that year and a half? Not really, no. But can I say that everything about my life, my spending, um, the things that I buy and even the way that I treat them, the way that I feel about them, can I say that all of that has changed forever? 100%. Um, it's even as simple as taking things for granted, which, you know, is very natural for us humans. We, we get something we really want, we really wanted it, we really cared about it when we wanted it. But when we got it, all of a sudden, it's like, well, we have it now. What's the next thing that I want? Oh, yeah, chase the next thing. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, valuing things that you have, I mean, that's such a powerful practice. It only attracts more things that you will value. And so, you know, even the way that I walk out of my apartment and, and approach my car and I, you know, and I always dreamed of driving a car like this. It's not the most expensive. It's not the newest one on the market, but it's it's perfect for me. So. Whereas I would have hopped on and just gone on my way running errands. Now, every time I would just stop and admire it. And I stand there and I'm like, I am driving this car. I've had it for over a year. You know, it has a few little dents on it that could use some fixing. But it's like I'm standing there and I'm going like, I, this, I get to drive the car of my dreams. Meanwhile, it's like a normal Tuesday and I, you know, I'm going somewhere to run like none of it, it, the, the, this is the biggest thing that I, that I will share here. The world will not stop to give you this epic moment of like, ta-da, you have figured it out. It's like, or <laughs> you have achieved your dream. You know, this is the, your special moment. And everyone's like, you know, that doesn't happen, but that doesn't mean that you, you don't get to create that for yourself. So celebrating the things that you already have and reminding yourself to value the things that you wanted for so long and you already have now and you know and even just tracking all the ways in which you are blessed constantly all the ways in which money shows up in your life you know it it, it helps you perceive the relationship differently and so what i will say one of the biggest changes has been um, becoming a truly wealthy woman, the way that I, I, I so identify with myself is I am infinitely abundant, I am wealthy, and I'm rich. And what that is expressed in is just how rich I feel with every blessing that is already part of my life. And just how grateful and excited I feel with the ones that are coming, the trust that they are coming, the knowing that they are the constantly seeking and finding evidence that supports that uh, is a radical difference from the girl I used to be feeling guilty, ashamed, and completely unworthy of asking a business owner to pay $100 for an online ad. Uh, you know, this is like such a world of difference. So, um, you know, for me, the ritual, um, just to kind of summarize the, the ritual work, the spiritual work, the energy work, it actually has the capacity to change our self identity, our perception of reality um, much more effectively than just a concept or reading a book mm -hmm. or just you know, hearing an mm -hmm. idea because we're working with subconscious when it comes to energy, when it comes to rituals, we're working with our the realm of dreams, the symbols, the beliefs, uh, the things that we um, attach meaning to.
-hmm. And so when we're able to change the meanings, when we're able to change our beliefs, when we're able to change even our self-concept, our life, our physical material life reflects that back to us. So you do wake up in, in almost like a different world that was your world before, except maybe you couldn't see it. And, and that alone can be life-changing. I've got tears rolling down my face <laughs> listening to that because for me as well, it is it's the, it is all about how you feel, isn't it? It's all about the wealth within and the deservability. And that's massively changed my life in the last couple of years as well. So you really brought tears to my eyes. <laughs> From somebody who I had a torturous relationship with money because as a child... I grew up in a household where there was physical violence and it was always over money. So it's taken me over five decades to get over mm. that <laughs> and to change. Even though I changed it consciously with all of the money mindset and did a conscious work around it for the last four years, it's only been probably the last year where internally there's been a shift, a big shift. And and I love your money films that just... That made it just so joyful. Mm, I'm so happy to see that. <laughs> you know, you know, it, it's it's interesting. You know, I I think that uh, it, however long things take so long for me, things take such a long time. Sometimes, it, certain things take no time. Certain things take forever. And sometimes it's like, I, well, I've been, I know this thing. I know I got this skill. You know, it's taken me forever. Now I know it. Now there's like a whole another skill that I would need to even use that skill. Like it, there's just you know the the journey seems to be so long. But, you know, over time, every single thing that we learn supports all the other things. So, you know, it's, it's you know, I've, I've kind of trained myself to look at it that I really don't care how long anything will take. Mm. Uh, what I care about is how much fun I'm having while it's all Yes, happening. yes. <laughs> Katerina, is there anything else you'd like to share that we haven't already spoken about today? Well, I'll, just one one thought here is, you know, I think for our listeners, I would like to share a very important message, a very simple, but, you know, I wish I could tell it to myself and other people have told me it. I just couldn't hear it. So my hope is that you can hear it is don't be hard on yourself, you know, because it's like we have these beliefs that certain beliefs are so deeply ingrained that it's like you're not even thinking the thoughts that you're thinking your thoughts are thinking you you cannot stop them they are there they've been there you know you're doing your best to to get to the bottom of where they even come from and get rid of that stuff and you know it's not good for you and it's you know it's it's all it's all such a journey and um you know what what we often end up doing is is we make it harder on ourselves but by actually also beating ourselves up in the process like mm -hmm. this should be taking this should be faster this should have happened yesterday i shouldn't have done this and this and so and you know and that uh that creates a toxic relationship with yourself and and i i know that from firsthand experience you know that that's that's a oof, that's that's not a good environment that that doesn't help you make the progress that you desire to make because it only discourages you. It's like you're trying to change and you're also beating yourself up for not changing fast enough. It's, it's very uh, discouraging. So if you are in a, in a spot where you're changing, you're doing things, you're learning things, you're, you're figuring it out the best you can, 
and and it just doesn't feel like you know the progress is happening as, as quickly as you would like for it to happen you know if you can just hear this is be easier on yourself give yourself a break um if you can give yourself some unconditional love if you can just accept where you are and at the same time put so much faith and trust and will into I accept where I am and I'm also going places and changing and evolving at the same time. If you can give that space to yourself and you can just say, okay, enough with, you know, self-scrutiny, I'm doing the best I can, change is happening even if it doesn't seem like it right now. I got this. If you can do this for yourself and if you can experience relief, uh, this this is the greatest progress thank you so much katarina where can our listeners find you so i will share a couple links with you um, but our listeners can simply put my name in the search bar on facebook or on instagram i'm mostly on facebook this is kind of my leading platform at the moment um this is where i share a lot of my reflections and this is where i also talk about the folds every time that a new season arises so um, feel free to follow me or send me a friend request. Um, I'm working on a couple of other portals at the moment, but still to this day, this remains the best way to stay connected with me. Thank you so much. Bye for now. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. So ask yourself, is this for me? Give yourself some memories. Learn to trust your Thanks for listening to the Soulful Valley podcast. I trust that you will have heard something today that you were ready to hear and that it's made you feel a little lighter, more aligned and connected with your soul's purpose and you have been reminded of who you really are and the true nature of the power that you hold within you. My aim for this podcast is to bring love, light, wisdom, raise consciousness and ease suffering. If you've enjoyed the show, go back and listen to some of the back catalogue of previous episodes. Subscribe, follow, rate and review so that you're notified when new episodes drop in and share this podcast with anyone that you think it may help to listen to. You can connect with me at soulfulvalley.com and if you scroll to the bottom of the website, there are links to my social media platforms.